Bonjour. Hello, everybody. We're back. We're back. Welcome to Fear and Loving with Ranch, Joe Nice, Cat Wells, Chris Foltz. Um, it's good to see everybody. It's uh, April 13th, 2021. It's been a wild week. And the topic for this week is media, misogyny, and misanthropy. Uh, really into the letter M. Uh, and the color purple. You might have heard that with us a few times. And um, uh, yeah, I'm Ranch. Um, if you guys don't know me, uh, I have been hosting this uh, podcast on a monthly basis for about a year now, Fear and Loving. Uh, every second Tuesday of the month. Um, and do check out the information if you're watching live right now on the stream and follow us on, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube if you get a second. And um, I am pretty fired up after this week. Um, I have been with my parents in Texas for the first time since the pandemic started. And uh, that means I've been with my dad who watches PBS every day, uh, as well as NPR all day, and the news in general, which I don't really, he'll be asked, he'll ask me, you watching the news? I'm like, well, I don't ha I have Netflix. Like, I don't really have news on my TV anymore. Uh, so it's been interesting this week to, to be taking that in, uh, you know, just with the turmoil and whatnot. So I know that's, that's on my mind and my heart today. So I figured I'd, I'd mention that, but, um, you know, so fear and loving, uh, this show is, um, you know, it was established during COVID-19, the pandemic last year, as well as the really the rise of of last year's Black Lives Matter uh, protests uh, as a platform to bring together voices who believe in the essential impact of gonzo journalism and who fight for truth and justice from a compassionate heart center. Uh, you know, we do generally have a strong focus, I think, together on anti-corruption, compassionate policy changes, um, as well as the fight for social justice and equality. Uh, don't always agree. And um, I'm sure like you guys out there, we, we all have um, different opinions, but also really we're, we're, but hopefully we're all open and we're here to, to kind of, to see if we can learn something and, and, and hopefully take that out into the world. And um, I'll let my friends introduce themselves and um, Kat, we can start with you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me again. Uh, I guess the the short version is I'm a sociologist by training. Uh, I'm a queer intersectional feminist, a social justice advocate, environmentalist, writer, researcher, abolitionist, among other many things. Uh, I love learning. I love talking to people. And my pronouns are she, her. And I'm also part of one of two people that are uh, part of the Joe and Cat Chats, which is a podcast I uh, do with with Joe, who is also here. So please check that out if you get a chance. That's on every Tuesday. Every Tuesday at twelve thirty p.m. Pacific and three thirty p.m. Eastern. So, and it's on all of our socials everywhere. Uh, we have a, an at Joe and Cat Chats page. So. All right, and uh, let's let's go with Chris. Chris Holtz. You know, I guess I don't have 
pronouns. I haven't established this yet. So I, yet again, um, I need to step up to the plate and figure this scenario out. Uh, but my name is Chris Foltz, and I stand at the intersection of, of a crazy um, a past, a very, very diverse background. Um, but more importantly, what I celebrate is the things that make me the same as my colleagues and friends here on this uh, wonderful show. Um, you know, one of the things that is very interesting is, you know, I don't I never really had much of an ideology, um, but I cared about outcomes. And that's why I'm on the show. I find it fantastic. By day, I spend my time working in the marketing uh, slash publishing world uh, for Sensi Magazine, uh, also heavily involved in um, leadership development and, and things of this nature. Uh, with startup brands uh, all the way up to the Fortune 100s um, and, and have a, a real interesting glimpse of, of one perspective um, and always happy to learn more perspectives. Uh, and I come to this show to get it done. Thanks for having me, Richard. Looking forward to tonight. Thank you, guys. John Ice, round us out. Um, first of all, hello, everybody. Good, af good, af good afternoon, good evening, good morning from wherever you may be watching, because we do have an international platform and or audience. Um, again, as I've said before, I've people know me as a DJ, people don't necessarily know me as a social activist, but I, I'm a bit of a unicorn in this whole music space. Two master's degrees, been to 48 countries, got a record label, like I've played a few shows and been a few places and had a few experiences that have shaped not only my life, but hopefully other people's lives also with the experiences that I've had and that I've been able to share with other people. I am Sister Cat Wells and I, we do maybe one of the greatest podcasts of all time called the Joe and Cat Chats. You can watch us and or listen to us. And we're good looking people, so you should watch us. I mean, I mean, this is what we're dealing with here. I mean, look at Kat. I mean, this is what we got going on here. So you should watch us, okay, at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 12.30 Pacific on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash DJ, youtube.com slash DJ. Raj, Chris, Kat, I'm excited for today's conversation. We have a lot to talk about. As my uncle once told me, we have a lot to dissect and absorb. I'm going to say that again. We have a lot to dissect and absorb. So we're going to cut it into pieces and let it sink in. And we're going to hopefully, hopefully the viewers, listeners, and or both will be able to soak up the information like a sponge this evening. Well, that visual is strong now, Joe. Uh, always come with the poetry, man. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Now, there, now, real quick, just so you know, we also want to make sure that we educate the sponges. Okay because a sponge will just suck up whatever is there, okay? A sponge will just suck up whatever is there. The sponge doesn't know the difference between champagne or piss. So we have to make sure that we educate the sponges. So that's what we're doing here today. We're making sure that we give them something to suck up that's useful and beneficial and something that they can take with them to hopefully rescue meaning from their lives and improve the quality of existence for somebody else. I'd also like to add, you know, compassionate would be, would be a good thing for these sponges to be taken. <laughs> you know what? That's a great I'm, idea. I'm not really looking to, to I'll, I'll get opinionated and, and I'm looking to, to dissect and, and absorb as well. But uh, you know, I think, I, think I, I trust everyone here, you know, and, and we've been doing this a long time, but I, I trust us to, to be coming from that space, you know, and, and um, 
and to just try to do all this rambling and and discussing uh, with with intention to to help. I think, and and I know I believe in that. Um, so thank you guys, and, and we'll we'll uh, we'll kick this off as usual with some definitions. So easy enough. The title this week is three are three separate words. So those will be the words we define. Uh, one of which uh, I have been, I suppose my brain has just been hardwired to take in and consider and um, sometimes be, I suppose, uh, lo in love with and very frustrated with, which is media. And uh, the definition of media, uh, the means of communication as radio and television, newspapers, magazines, the internet, social media, to reach or influence people widely. We'll go with misogyny, hatred, dislike, or mistrust of women manifested in various forms such as physical intimidation, excuse me, and abuse, sexual harassment and rape, social shunning and ostracism. Uh, another definition, ingrained and institutionalized prejudice against women, sexism. Misanthropy, a little bit of a tongue twister. Uh, maybe you guys know about it. Um, someone just asked me what it was, obviously, uh, in the show title, and um, I think it's pretty simple. Uh, it's a hatred or distrust of humankind. And, and really, that's the definition that I find in multiple places. It's really that they don't even get into it anymore. So I had no idea, Ranch. I had no idea that was even a thing. Yeah. And yeah, neither did my 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 dad. That's who I was discussing it with. Um, I think I'd probably also add that it, you know, it that that distrust. Then you can be a misanthrope is another word. Uh, so if you have this distrust or hatred, which I think both those things are kind of really drastically different. Um, I think many people, especially in this country and at this time, really have a distrust of society. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're not like let me go hurt and you know, hate and shoot and do all these, you know, violent things to society. Those may be the ones that are more of a have hatred. So I think you'll hear the word being used um, if somebody says they're a misanthrope, which might be something someone would would own. I think they're really just trying to say, I don't really. Is that passive? People. Is that active? Uh, when you say misanthrope, this is a whole new world word to me. And I said, you know, for those of the listeners don't realize we talk about these subject matters, you know, um, and I'm one of the people that, some of these words are, are brand new to me, right? I come from the communication world. I come from politics. And to think that not only there is a thing, like a defined, let's hate humanity, all right, before we get into misogyny, which a lot of us understand, but that that there is this thing, but then there's actually different kind of var variations of it, right? And, you know, in the academic study I'm in, uh, uh, on the you know, I guess it's just as much part of my life as everything else, in polymathy, you know, there's always this misunderstanding of polymathy versus polymaths. So what you're drawing attention to is the idea that, misanthrope but i'm wondering is misanthropy kind of like a phd in apathy is it part of a linear spectrum where you graduate to that or is it an active thing in which you want to see the dismantling of humanity at a, at a great way um for some sort of i guess only can say um you know sadistic reason that i'm confused mm. so help, help walk me through this is interesting to me and you know what chris that's a hell of a question. <laughs> it really honestly is. And I don't, uh, given the, given what you just said, I think you have to graduate to misanthropy. 
I don't think anybody just wakes up and says, oh, you know what, I feel like destroying the world. No, I think, and quite honestly, the way ex humanity is going right now, we're, we're, I think, in the end or dying stages of late stage capitalism. We're seeing um, certainly a social crisis. Take a look at everything that's happened over the past week and a half to two weeks. We're certainly facing an, um, uh, an environmental crisis. Take a look at the situation in the Caribbean with the volcanoes in St. Vincent and the Grenadines and some of the ash that has completely covered many of these island nations. So we're facing multiple crises at the same time. And as a result, that, that you sort of have to graduate to that. And these adverse situations that we're all experiencing now don't happen instantly, they happen over time. Take a look at the police shootings we've seen recently. Take a look at some of the economic situations that we've seen around the world. Take a look at some of the police violence that we've seen in Myanmar. Those situations don't happen because of one, because of one singular event leading to this, this final situation. Those situations are a result of, quite honestly, poor government bad government decisions, they're a result of in inequalities and inequities, they're a result of white supremacy, they're a result of police overprotection and overmilitarization, they're a result of <laughs> everything that we've talked about over the past previous 10 episodes and a lot of what Kat and I have talked about for the previous we're now on episode, we did an episode 44 today. So we're, we're a bit ahead of fear and loving, but, but that's not the point. The whole point is that we talk a lot. Uh, we do our show every week. This is once a month. So there's a little bit of a, a lag, but this, you have to work up to misanthropy. I don't think anybody just mm. comes out the womb and just says, yeah, I'm a misanthrope. Yeah. Is there like a spectrum, Joe? I, gotta, I mean, cause you did the show on it, right? And, you know, can't, you know, you, professionally speaking in your training and everything, you know, I, I know that when you look at it from a sociology standpoint, you know, you kind of have these periods, you know, you can look at these periods uh, around times like anthropology, but then around how human interaction were during this period of time. So there's like bookends and in the polymath world, you'd look at Leonardo da Vinci on one side and then the people that are just under the entry point of polymath would be the jack of all trades, master of none. And then somewhere between there, there's a way to put things now. We could all argue that people like Adolf Hitler, you know, some of the worst people of all time, they had this visceral hatred towards humanity one way or the other. But generally speaking, it was targeted. Right. Um, and, and, and their hatred. You don't know if that person woke up in the mirror every day and looked at it and said, I hate myself as well because I'm a product of of being a human. Um, um, or is is the misanthropy something that like, you know, there isn't somebody that we can directly say is the, the worst form of it. But here are some things along the spectrum as to where it relates towards things we all relate to in society. You know, is there a place where that fits? Who's an example of a misanthrope at a prolific level? Yeah, I mean, I agree with with uh, what Joe said. And I think that I mean, I, t I agree with you, too, Chris. Like, I mean, there's people that we can think of, obviously, through history that are clearly uh, 
misanthropic or uh, misanthropes. Uh, I'm not sure how to say it correctly, but when I was thinking about this topic and coming up with sort of ideas for how to talk about this, I came up with three examples of how this sort of shows up in our everyday lives, because I do think it's, it's a spectrum and we can, I mean, it can be something you become without necessarily knowing or identifying that you're a misanthrope person or or have a misanthropy uh, ideology. And so I think of people who think there's too many people on the planet. That's mm -hmm. like a pretty widely <laughs> uh, believed thing. They just think there's too many people. And I, I would argue that no, there's not that too many people, but we operate under a globalized society under capitalism, which causes our basic necessities uh, to be for profit industries. So when there's not a profit margin, things like excess food are thrown away, away rather than feeding the hungry, which is something we can talk about uh, throughout this episode. But the other thing is like, when I think of misanthropy, I think of the disdain you need to have for human beings to become a cop or a high-ranking soldier. Uh, I think about the hatred of human life you would need to have to commit a mass shooting. And so like, these are examples that like mm -hmm. some, while are extreme, others are accepted. But you, you, so, so you can, and again, I, I say this as a child of, of two police officers, right? So again, my parents didn't have a history of, of negatives. Matter of fact, my mom fought for equality in law enforcement for women. And, um, you know, so in essence, kind of the civil rights side of things. But I, I would find it, at least in my own opinion, hard to say that, you know, being a police officer, high ranking military, which could be a call to service, right? Somebody could come from a different perspective to fall on the same lines of, let's say, a serial killer or somebody that does like a, a mass crime um, just because sometimes to some classes, the outcomes of it feel the same. And, you know, and that's why it's hard for some people, I think, at least for me, to imagine the practicality of it. Now, I could see misogyny being on the spectrum of misanthropy. So just like there's a bunch of other things, probably, Ranch, like misogyny is like towards men, right? But there's probably things towards like racism. Is racism like a race form of something uh, demonstrative in the same way that misogyny is with men and misanthropy is for humans? So then there's like a spectrum with misanthropy being at the highest level. I mean, mm -hmm. I think maybe. Well, I mean, my my gut reaction a minute ago was that like listening to all of you guys is that this is there really is such a spectrum to misanthropy um, in the sense that like, um, you know, you mentioned let's just go with cop and serial killer. I mean, and like the I think that fear we got to remember fear is part of this. So it's not just hate that leads to being misanthropic. So I think that, you know, some maybe somebody becomes a police officer um, or decides that they need to kill another person because there's a lot of hate and that's like their motivating factor. But sometimes they, sometimes they become a police officer or decide to hurt someone because they just have so much fear that it is it is eaten away at them or uh, so much fear of their family or their community or somebody getting hurt by someone who is the enemy or violent that that leads them to then be misanthropic in their decisions um, in how and how they react. But I guess what I'm saying is that it's just um, it's it's kind of wide spectrum. It's not you're not automatically 
a really bad person because you're misanthropic. I mean, I think there's a lot of really good people who have really good nature that don't want to hurt anybody who are concerned that there's too many people on the planet or to be a little more relevant, who are concerned that, um, you know, Bill Gates or the or Moderna or whatever are, are are somehow out to get us and make us sick and turn us into robots. There's a pretty there's pretty misanthropic thinking there, too, in a sense that they're afraid and they distrust humanity because at least hmm. in part. And so that those people I know some of them personally and they're not they're not like hurt. They don't want to hurt anyone, but they're really afraid and distrusting. So I guess maybe there's this like being misanthropic can lead can be a component of being Hitler-esque or be a component of being a serial killer um, or a brutal cop. But it doesn't it doesn't automatically mean being a misanthrope that you're going to be like that. I don't know. You know, something that I just thought of and. Um, I would think that the opposite or at least maybe it's not necessarily a spectrum, Chris, because a spectrum would at least let us know that there is a far extreme left or a far extreme right. Otherwise known when you have these sort of spectral analyses is what's called a polemic. We have it one end and something on the other. I think this is more of a circle or a wheel rather than a scale because I think a major part of misanthropy is narcissism. Major part of this is narcissism. And the people, Chris, that you mentioned, for example, an Adolf Hitler or, or King Leopold or a Cecil Rhodes or Idi Amin, these Osama bin Laden, these were some of the most evil human beings that humanity has ever seen. At the same time, they were self-centered and really just cared only about themselves and the people that that were willing to follow their orders. And, as, and if you did not toe the line to any of them or follow their ideologies, you were you were gone. You were exterminated. You were dealt with swiftly and severely. So I think narcissism is a part of of misanthropy because you have to be so self-centered in such a way that you don't want to see anybody live the life they should be living. And that is a that is a different kind of hate. That's a different kind of hate. It's one thing to say, I, I, you know, I don't like black people and I, I, I think black people should be a permanent underclass in the United States, but not necessarily want to see every black person die. It's another thing to say, I want to see people who look like me that don't listen to me killed because they didn't follow my orders or listen to what I have to say. Take a look at what's happening in Myanmar right now. The Myanmar military is openly killing and murdering other Myanmar citizens because certain groups of Myanmar citizens do not want to follow the new military junta. That is a different kind of hate. When you, when you, see someone from your community or your country, you look at them, you look at yourself, you see a bit of yourself in that other person and you still want to exterminate that other person. That's that sort of self-loathing is, is kind of the, the, the dark evil side of narcissism 
even though being narcissistic has its own dark and evil characteristics. You, you know, you mentioned narcissism and, and right away I'm thinking, okay, how does that, how does that uh, you know, tie into misanthropy? And what comes to mind for me that's not, that, that's, I don't know if it's, the, if it's opposite, but it's more tribalism. Uh, which I've I've kind of got this concern about, and um, and I think that if you are heavy in your tribalism, um, and you really, if anything, it's not just about you, but it's about your people, like your little subsect of human beings that are different than everybody else. That often leads to uh, a misanthropic experience, and then and and some of those people that you mentioned, um, it wasn't just about them; it was about their tribe, and I mean that's something as old. Uh, as the race. I mean, that, that goes all the way back. And here we are with all of our advances um, and, and so much um, to be, you know, I think excited about um, as a race. And yet we're still held back by some of that. And, and, and so, I mean, I, I personally get a little on a, on a soapbox sometimes about tradition, um, and particularly, you know, whether it's the religious, you know, institutions, as we discussed last month on the episode 10. Um, and I get that way because I just see people holding fast to uh, the past, uh, to their past, to their people's past, to their country's past, to their tribe's past. And, and there's, there's precari it's precarious in my mind because it just really allows uh, for there to be this division. Um, and there's got to be divisions in order for there to be a misanthropic experience. If you're going to be afraid of something, you're going to distrust something. Um, it's because... It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel safe. Um, yeah, and, and I, I did want to, I figured I'd maybe just throw this out there and see if we can't um, pull this into maybe more of the current events and what we've been seeing over this past month um, and, and some of these 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 happenings and these events. I mean, I think we we kind of, I know this team, we, we spoke on this a few weeks ago together and and it was, feels like it was, uh, I don't I don't know what it feels like exactly, but we, but we had the, um, the Boulder, shooting we had the atlanta shooting it's funny how those things are just i barely remember them because of the past week and a half but uh that's america isn't it um and so you know those shootings were at, you know whether it was um whether it was uh, definite i don't know if we found a letter with it where it said this but the killers and the, the the mass shooters you know it was implied that there was misanthropy uh that they had misanthropy they were misanthropic in their thinking, and that led to their violent acts. Um, I think also misogyny to put to bring that word into the conversation as well. Um, and you know, I think we're it's kind of just implied when it's a, a male that's taking a, a high a rifle and you know killing a bunch of people these days that maybe both those things are present. And may I don't know. We can open that up and, and see what you guys think. And if is that the way it is? Yeah, Come on, misogyny? Oh, sorry. Uh, I, I just was going to say, like, in addition, I think I think what's really important here is, you know, how we're finding out about this information or these events and how these ideas of misogyny and misanthropy are being perpetuated by the media. So, yeah, I just want to include that in our discussion because there's a lot to be said. <laughs> I think the media plays a huge role in all this, but, you know, I was looking into some numbers and interesting enough, I know this is going to sound crazy and it's going to be controversial. I, I consider misogyny has failed. 
right? So for those who propagate misogyny, it's almost like narcissism, right? It's like the good old boys club. Let's, you know, only guys can do this and all this. Well, let's see the results. There's more women in the United States. Women control all consumer purchasing power, which ultimately controls the economy in America and all of this situation. And it's prime for women to actually take the stand and rise up and take over the various industries that they feel misogyny runs rampant in. And if media is one of those things, I'm in support of it. I can tell you this as somebody who hires people, I prefer hiring women and it's not for any of the weird things. I mean, I feel, I feel even weird saying that because of the way society is right now. I, I feel good. Like I'm almost being biased in the situation, but damn well I am because you see the diversity of thought, the diversity of understanding, the perspective and everything is, is more aligned with both sides of thought than a male oftentimes, you know? So for at least me, you know, it's, it's interesting because misogyny is something that's very hard. Nobody wants to say, listen, I'm misogynistic. Right. You know, I sometimes feel that even me being right now talking to all of you, am I being misogynistic? Right. But the the experiment of men thinking that that having the good old boy club is going to result in anything uh, uh, being a victory. It has been a failure because if that was the case in my day to day job, I wouldn't be targeting 99 percent of our marketing and everything towards women, because at the end of the day, and it's very men need to make this make this very clear to yourself, right? When it comes down to it, women control the decisions. You just don't realize it yet. But if you sit, take a sit back, look everything around in your life. And when you go into the workplace and you want to make rules that target women and make it unfair and all of that, just realize it affects you more than anyone. You just don't realize it and you're stupid. Okay. So how we end misogyny has been making real opportunity, eliminate the notion that there's this access barrier. I see guys make glass ceilings for themselves more every day than anything. We'll sit back and watch people just get themselves backed into a corner, make a glass ceiling prime for the picking time for women to rise up. I support through all of it. And, and if you know what, it's also important that when, when we mess up, I, I support women. I mess up all the time. I make people feel uncomfortable. I've even said, you know, but one thing I can say that doesn't make sense to me, and I want to address this, and Kat, you might be the right person to answer this. You know, through my life, I've been in a lot of roles, and one of them that I was so honored to serve in uh, was for the National Women's Political Caucus. Now, this is an organization that was originally started in the equal rights uh, movement. Gloria Steinem, all of them, Washington, D.C., started this great organization. Now, I did a lot to help the organization, as well as the person who brought me into this, a wonderful leader out of California, Shelly Hunt. And the challenge is that I got all the way up to the point where they wanted to put me on the board of directors of their foundation, which would be amazing. I was going to be the first guy. I was literally up and it was the day of the convention where they're going to vote. Then I find out my, my name was removed, removed from consideration. Why? Because I was a guy. Now, of course, I know what it feels like to have that happen. And maybe it was just for all of what mankind has done up until this day. But I can tell you that is no solution. Because every single time we want to solve a problem, I promise you, in society, it's always behind that ironic wall that you must go in order to get the solution you want. And by pushing a guy out of that room right there, even that perspective, even if it was minimized, you just did the same thing, made it guilty, you, of the thing that you were trying to stop, and that's not a solution. So that's sad to me for a bit. But I have hope. I have hope. Because in the society that we live in right now, that wouldn't be accepted regardless. So... I'm all about change. How do we get there? How do we address organizations that still take the antiquated approach, claim that they're about to make change, and then prevent diversity in it? How do we address that? Yeah, I mean, that, that was a lot. And I, I definitely appreciate your perspective, Chris. Uh, and thank you for saying all of that. But I definitely disagree on a lot of things because I don't 
think that we're there yet. We, we, misogyny is still rampant. We are living in a society that fundamentally is still patriarchal. Uh, you know, the wage gap is still a thing. I mean, <laughs> how is it still a thing? Uh, the wage gap, you bring up a very specific thing. What do you mean by that? I mean, women are paid less than men equal for the time, same equal job, work, equal role, equal hours. For the same been, work. Been, but that's been proven by so many studies. Same work, same time, same hours. Yeah. So what's the source um, that I can look at so I can stop the argument? Because I've already looked into that. That's been proven to be untrue. You know, only because. Untrue. Yeah, untrue. that there's Because the wage gap, you look at equal hours. Maybe somewhere along the way, women don't have the same opportunity for education or something of that. That caused them not to have equality. But when they look at pay, women are actually paid more per hour. When they have equal education, equal experience, and equal work time, they're paid more than men. I was blown when I saw it away, but that's the reality of it. So, so that's not often the case. I so think what is it that she's citing? So I would have to look into it and, and forward you like some some academic articles because uh, I don't have a specific thing to cite right now. But uh, the wage gap is still a thing. Uh, white women get about 78 cents for the dollar of white men. Uh, black men are below that. And then there's all sorts of uh, folks in you know, BIPOC women uh, are even even less for for the dollar. But that's per... a different argument, though. That's two layers. We're talking about misogyny, but then you're also bringing the um, the racial aspect into yeah, it. Yeah, because I can't. I don't think you can divorce those things out okay. of this conversation because these conversations are so nuanced and and complex. Um, and like misogyny is part of 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 the existence of a racialized person particularly if you're a woman or uh, you know a trans person non-binary person we can't we can't divorce these things and just look at one thing at a time because that's that's not what life is like life is more complex than that is it chemical because I, a scientist would argue right that the the difference between a male biologically i'm not talking about all the gender i'm all about open equality, gender. Um, that's not my choice to say what anyone does, right? And I'll never get in the way of that. But they will say that somebody with a lot of testosterone, the, the whole alpha position that's rooted in, in science, right? So is it possible, and I'm just asking, that misogyny is a side effect of something like testosterone as to why men are more like this or why people that have higher testosterone levels are like this because it's the same thing that you would see a lion in a pride order there where it's the same thing that moves you to the top of the pack. Is that possible? I'm just wondering, um, you know, you're more of a scientist than I. I mean, I'll just say this and then I'll let the other, the other folks jump in. Um, I think that it's more complex than that. You can't just, uh, you can't just talk about this argument in, in sort of the, the scientific biological sense either. Like it's, it's, that's an element that may be true, uh, because we do have different hormones, we have different biological mechanisms going on in our bodies. Uh, but those are different from person to person, too, and not just gender or sex. And so I think I think from from my perspective, at least, I mean, as a sociologist, I like to look at sort of the big picture and and we are living under a patriarchal society. And I, I think it would be really hard to, to deny that, even if in your own life, you have examples of things like, for example, you prefer to hire women, like you said before, like these things, and, and you've, you know, looked at, you know, 
there's particular instances where women are paid more than men for the same job, but that's not widely applicable. So I'd love if anyone else wanted to jump in too and add. I, I have, I, I didn't want to try to um, speak on that element of it, but um, what came to mind for me is that boys and men that are, you know, you know, the, the males that are born into this nation, particularly, I can speak on that. Uh, we're, we're, we have been up to this point throughout our history born into a privilege um, that we are taught by our mothers and the women in our lives uh, and taught by the men in our lives and taught by uh, our teachers and, um, and also some of these realities that still persist. They, those realities persisting where, and, and maybe this is changing now, uh, some, and, uh, but it wasn't 10 years ago or 50 or a hundred at all. But the realities where men did have more opportunities, whether that was, you know, back in the day to vote, um, or to get the, to get the job or whatever that knowing, just observing that at a young age. And once you are conscious and throughout your life, that in and of itself starts to develop a certain, um, belief as a boy and a man that you are different and possibly that you do have something that they don't, or you at the very least have more privilege. Um, I also wanted to mention the word media to bring it back there. Um, that, you know, uh, someone, a friend of mine was kind of brought up some, some numbers just around movies, um, and Hollywood. And, you know, I, I have spent my whole life really learning from that space. I, 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 I pay a lot of attention to, to film. And even today, if you can pull up the numbers that show um, that most of the airtime today is still men um, in movies. And that there's- Hollywood's pay disparities is huge. You're right in that there's no question that one right. is whack. It's not just pay. It's like the amount of time you're going to see a woman on screen is lesser. Um, and the amount of women that you're going to see as the leading characters is, has been lesser throughout history. Women are often discussing men um, when they do get to speak in film. So that's just one element of media that is that I'm going to bring up that affects the subconscious of the boys that are raised watching movies and TV um, and everything else. And so I got a question on that thing, my, Richard. You just my, you just drew attention to a huge point. That's a huge point. You're right. The one thing that I did see huge pay gap in Hollywood, for sure. Men get paid more, all of this stuff. And I was like, why? And, and, and for movies, if you look at the performance of it, women have to have a larger catalog to be able to accumulate wealth and intellectual propertyness. But you drew attention to the point that they have less airtime. They're on the screen less. And you see, that's one of the things that's underlining with SAG, right? The more lines you have, the more things you show up in, that's when you have to have a SAG membership. So in essence, the person who creates the film, that to me seems like a mandate for more people that want to write films and television shows that incorporate women and strong female leads. Um, and, and that that's when the airtime comes and thus being paid equivalent doesn't exist if you don't have the same airtime. And then to that same point as well, when it comes down to things like um, uh, just the general direction of the argument on misogyny and things of this nature, you know, we have to take into consideration that with the society shift at large, we have to make sure that we draw attention to when gaps do get solved because there's an information barrier as well. We don't know if what we're doing in society is working to close the gap or creating it because the arguments are still the same. Kat and I could probably go back and forth showing equal amounts of evidence, right? Like here's evidence for that exists, here's not, and both be right. But that doesn't solve anything because we don't know what's a measurement and what's making change, what's leading to women getting more growth in, in the workplace, et cetera. 
I, you know, I would I would agree. And in that last point, that whether it's whether it's uh, misogyny or patriarchy or racism or whatever, these things that are just there's a lot of fight to be had, and it is it is hurting us and hurt, hurting our people. When there are wins, when there when something has been done, whether it's by the government or the institutions or a business uh, that that writes that ship and it is making it better and it making a difference, I'd like to hear about that. I don't know. I don't hear about it on the news and the radio all that much. I'm not saying that it doesn't get talked about, but it, it would it could help the hearts and minds and believing that this can be different, because I think that there's a misanthrope, a misanthropy that is occurring in many of us, uh, whether it's people um, LGBTQ plus or women or black people or anybody who is afraid and, and distrusting. Uh, that's happening in part because I, I don't think we many of those those marginalized any of those marginalized groups so many of the people don't believe that there's much going good there's much that's that's happening that's positive so i i would agree in that point but um i'll defer to joe nice who has been letting us run with it <laughs> just before no, no, you no, 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 i was just gonna say cat look like you had something else to say ahead, Kat, yeah sorry yeah something. just in regards to the media um there's something called the base shell Bechdel test, which is uh, also known as the Bechdel Wallace test. I just looked it up. It's the measure of representation of women in fiction. It asks whether a work features at least two women who talk to each other about something other than a man. The requirement that two women must be named uh, is sometimes added. So that's something to look into in regards to media. Uh, there's a lot to be said, but I will let Joe Nice uh, speak and we can Continue. No, 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 Kat, 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 keep going, because I want to hear about this, please. I'm familiar with that test, right? You know, coming from the media, yeah, I don't but it's know designed it. to prove a point. So I could design a test to prove a point like, you know, that's the challenge about this, right? There's all these indicators that show, hey, listen, this is a biased workplace. Mm -hmm. And sooner or later, once it becomes even, then there's going to be the argument and the fact that, listen, there's not enough men in this that are having conversations because the way that we react to things in society is almost totalitarian. It's like how we solve the problem of inequality is to make all women organization. All right. And not let men in. And then and then that evens things out when I believe that society needs to be a blend that that perspective combination is the thing that makes humanity different, not just deciding to make equal amount of polarizing groups. You know, just in my opinion. I, if you'd like to speak on that, Kat, in addition to what you were going to say, go, go right ahead. Yeah, I mean, what comes to mind is just, you know, something I, I mention usually every episode is, is the power dynamics. When you're looking at these things in, and examining them in society, power is what really it comes down to. And because men and particularly white men have had power historically because we live in a society that is you know under the legacy of colonial settler rule uh these things have to come into the conversation because power i mean i agree with you in the sense that diversity in all of the things is good but it's not a solution to just plunk a bunch of people that look and seem different in a space because there's still power dynamics within that that have to be addressed and those things are not necessarily being addressed for example in in workplaces right now there's all this rage is you know 
pro, you know, developing diversity and inclusion, uh, you know, policies and, you know, whatever, whatever training or whatever is happening in the, in the private sector. Uh, I mean, the emphasis is on diversity and inclusion, but there are many flaws in that approach uh, that don't deal with the power dynamics involved. I got a question for Joe Nice and Richard then. Kat, that was very powerful. Uh, but Joe, Richard, Richard, you brought up the idea that we have privilege as guys, right? But I grew up in an Italian family. Uh, and, and Joe, I know you'd mentioned things and growing up in the past and Richard and your family, you know, we're taught to hold the door open. You know, we're taught that we have this responsibility to protect. We're taught these things growing up by our family, right? So thus, as opposed to being a privilege, is it not some of the things we're taught in, in our families by great families? You know, even growing up in the church and everything, you're taught that as a male, you have these extra responsibilities to earn for the family, bring things home and make sure that the family can sustain. Is that not building in to society misogyny from the very beginning? Joe, I'm asking you because you bring up these points and you and you and you school me from another perspective because you'll be the one who tells me to like, listen, have respect for things like this. Hold that door open. Show that you care about the other person and you're right. But then am I not just breeding this? I have the ability to hold the door open for you. I'm in charge. That is a hell of a question and a, and a nuanced question. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm not even sure how to begin to even answer it because if you say that, oh, it, from a from a certain male tradition that we were taught to open doors and hold doors for women and, and, and so forth and so on, then there's almost this tacit implication that we're supposed to be doing things because women cannot be doing them for themselves, which seems counterproductive. It, it's it's and, and and quite honestly unhelpful and at at, at most disrespectful mm. because if if I can hold a door for myself if I can hold a door for a woman you can certainly hold a door for herself just as effectively as a man can so I mm. think from a maybe from a the from a parental perspective, the way some of us grew up, where we were taught to do certain things because we're a guy and we're supposed to be doing them for women without asking if a woman needs us to do these things for her is probably where we have gone wrong. Even wants, wants us to do them for him in the first place. You know, and there's, I, I have, I, I, I'm having a difficult time even addressing this question because I have a daughter. I have a 10 year old daughter and there are plenty of times where my little baby girl will ask me to do stuff for her. At the same time, I'm always trying to let show her how to do something so she can eventually do it for herself because I don't want my little baby girl reliant on a man or a woman. If she decides to fall in love with a woman to, to, do things for her that she is perfectly physically, intellectually, and psychologically capable of doing on her own as a human being. So it, there's, there's, there's a fine line between being a soulmate and a cellmate. There's mm -hmm. a fine line between being someone that wants to help as opposed that some as opposed to somebody that is preventing that other person from 
blossoming and blooming into the best person that they could possibly become. There's a, that's a delicate balance. That's a fine line to walk. And I think a lot of what men need to do now more than ever is not just assume that women need our help. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes we should just mind our own business and sure if if a woman needs our help okay fine that's fine but don't just assume that because a woman is a woman that we automatically have to help because you're robbing that woman from her independence you're robbing her from everything that she could do is perfectly capable of doing on her own so i think that i don't necessarily think that any of our parents were thinking those were misogynistic behaviors. I think there was a, it was coming from at least a heart-centered approach. Sure. But at the same time, I do think that when we look at it from a bigger perspective as I like to do and certainly Kat likes to do, when we take a more holistic approach and a multifaceted, multidimensional look at everything, it, it, again, you can't just answer these questions these so, questions are these questions or the answers to these questions are not binary. They're not they're not point. they're not they're not binary answers. Solid word for you to it is. And for, I have to leave, unfortunately. Like, and that's yeah. the thing, I, I learned so much. Uh, for those of you that are listening, just because I'm on this, the only difference between you and I just happen to be on the screen. I learn at the same rate uh, that you all do, and some of these things I've never even heard the word, right? And at the same time, that's okay. That's okay. You're not alone. Okay. Um, and uh, the more that you take the time to learn, the better you're going to be in the end. So I appreciate all your time. I have to go. Another responsibility in the education arena tonight. I appreciate all of you. Thank you for this great conversation. Chris, uh, take care, brother. All right. Uh, thank you very much. See you, Kat. Bye, thank you, Chris. I got a few few things to say. That's okay with you guys. And and it and that was a hell of a hell of a, a time there. And I I I do know. Chris very well. And, um, he, he knows us pretty well at this point too. And I think he knows, um, our, our viewers and our listeners. And, um, you know, that was, those were genuine questions and that's genuinely, you know, where he stands. And, and I, but I do believe he, he has a, he has a lot of want always to, to change and improve upon what he's, where he comes from, and where he's thinking. But I think in part, he, he definitely brought some points and some questions in that, um, I think we're going to spice this up a little bit. And I think it, he did just that. And, and, and I, I appreciate that. Um, I, you mentioned non-binary and it's funny and it's, it's so funny that he mentioned the, uh, the kind of being brought up as a male to do these things for women. Absolutely. This is totally how I was raised. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I was always looking at knights and kings and males that were taking care of princesses. That was my whole life. I just like get video games, books, the whole damn nine yards. Wow. And it and and it's funny that I am at this point in my life today where you know I've just been you know single and just generally not gone without uh, a commitment or a relationship for a while. And and it's always been with women, and I've always had brought that dynamic to my relationships with women. And um, but I have kept a close eye on our people and, and this society. And I, and I feel very drawn and driven to, to participate in whatever way I can towards this future that I believe we should be attaining where people are respected and there's equality and love and, and all that. And, um, 
at the same time, I've noted I have been learning about pronouns, which I think we could we could bring some some education to to Chris and so many of our viewers, and I think so many people in this society. And um, I have I, it wasn't long ago, maybe just a year ago, where I was like, "What is all this?" Jordan Peterson was ranting about it. That was back when I listened to his ass. I, you know, he's turned out to suck. You know, in part because of how he treated people that wanted to stand up for their pronouns and and. Um, you know, in doing that, I realized like I have spent, it's hard for me to speak on exactly. I, I haven't really spoke on it, but you know, I have, um, I've always felt very drawn towards both my masculine and my feminine. Uh, and I've learned through friends that, that, that is within all of us. Um, and, and I think to be able to identify not just as your gender and just as a male is, is a really important part of the future, um, for this society and for all of us, I encourage everyone to, to think on that and put potentially, not just bind yourself in your your gender and and you know i i my pronoun at this point is he they um and i i've been learning what that means and i've been feeling drawn to it because i you know i want to and i have for years uh felt okay with doing things that women do and dressing in ways that women do and just generally being both both masculine and feminine and and i think i'm learning that that's how i want to relate as well uh, because for so long, my relations to to women were misogynistic, I suppose, in some way, not in the negative way, but in more of a, a positive, loving way. But um, I think when I when I take a step back and I and we discuss what you know what you were talking about earlier, Kat, and these persisting issues of patriarchy, like how do we uh, start to ease that out? And I think it's it's um, men taking taking some some. I guess responsibility um, for their past and how they were raised and our past, all those things, and learning and being unafraid to uh, to be a, be on the right side. I think, um, and and it's it is tricky, you know. As much of what he was discussing, I mean, there's no things are not necessary. What people, what businesses and institutions and the government has tried hasn't really worked. So, I mean. We could be at the solutions element, uh, possibly, of the show here towards the end. Um, I also just wanted to jump in, and sorry, that was a big rant, y'all, but um, uh, Lekka Boynton, um, good friend of mine, she, she commented, respect, courtesy can be mutual. Uh, I hold doors for people who have had their hands full or in a hurry. If we observe our fellow people, we can interact respectfully. Mm -hmm. Lekka's like a mother to me. I've, I've known her a long time. And and that was a good point. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Thank you for that. And I agree completely that uh, respect for others is does not have a gender or uh, sex. And Ranch, thank you so much for your vulnerability, and thank you for sharing your pronouns. That was that was really uh, lovely. And um, there, yeah. I mean, I could go on forever about this. Uh, it's too bad that Chris had to leave, but I think. The one thing that sort of, I guess, I hope Chris is able to 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 listen to this later too, so that he can, uh, you know, respond or or listen and and of course he comes with this or at this uh, podcast with like through his open heart, um, and I know that about him and that I'm grateful. But I also liken his his last question to sort of the. Uh, sort of the feminist trope that is thrown around of like, oh, you're a feminist? Does that mean I can hit women now? And like... What do you mean by that? So 
his question is like, oh, we were raised a certain way. Uh, you know, we're supposed to be protecting. And yeah, acting in a certain way to protect women because they're vulnerable and whatever. And that's like, uh, for sure, like an ideology from like, from generally from like the monotheistic religions and that sort of is pervasive in our society. Uh, and I guess intensified by sort of the settler colonial perspectives that we all sort of live under. Uh, and so, I mean, when he asked that question, I was like, Ugh. like, no, you know, as, as that person said on the comment, like, like, of course you should be opening doors for people if you're a person. It's not just men supposed to be, you know, uh, opening doors for women. Uh, and so it sort of just made me go, okay, where is this coming from and why is it problematic in my own mind? And it, it reminds me of that question of like, so you're a feminist, like, does that mean everyone's equal? And like, we can, we can all be equally violent or we can all be equally respectful. You know, like it's, it's coming from this idea of, of equality being just non-existent. And it's this, this, uh, mm. a question of like, well, if everyone's equal, where, you know, I, I can do what you do to me. But my argument is no, because that's, that's not how equity comes about. Because we've had this conversation before about equity in the sense that, I mean, e equality is when two people have this access to the same thing. Uh, equity is when someone who might not have as many resources gets a little bit more of a, a boost in order to get access to that thing that the other person has always had access to, if that mm. makes sense. Right. So you might be able to speak to that a little bit better, but... The, um, the breakdown, I appreciate that. Yeah, I haven't yeah, really I mean, I, that, that's kind right of what I wanted to contribute here. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I, and I know, I, thank you so much. I mean, this has been amazing. I don't want to, I don't want us to have to leave, but um, I'll, I'll let Joe, maybe, I guess we'll kind of, we're going to round it out here, Joe. So I'll let you kind of respond and, and we can wrap up. You know, yeah, because I know we do need to wrap up and there's a lot, we probably could do a part two on this because there's maybe. We probably just continue this for next month because there's a whole lot that needs to be talked about. Yeah, we didn't get to it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot that we didn't get to. But uh, again, as always, and as usual, and as customary, out to all the viewers who are watching us right now. Thank you for watching and thank you for being involved in what we are doing here. Um, Cat, out to you as always. Ranch, out to you. Out to Chris. Men need to do better. And that's all I really have to say. Men need to do better. We all do. And I think we can we can do better by by listening to women a bit more. Not even a bit more, a lot more. Yeah. In that someone said <laughs> Big yeah, totally. And in that same vein, I mean, uh, Joe and I talk a lot about racial justice issues. And 
our perspective and particularly my perspective that I always bring because I'm the white person in this in this uh, partnership that we have, like white people have to be responsible for abolishing racism and for for you know going up against the white supremacist institutions and systemic and pervasiveness of racism. The same thing happens with mis misogyny. Men have to be held responsible and, and you need to take the responsibility for misogyny and, and change it. So thank you for saying that, Joe, because it sort of uh, made me think of that. But in any case, thank you so much for having us again. And, and it's always a pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I want to come on a Joe and Cat chat if it's possible. Of course, oh, we, got, we got plans, brother. We got the technology. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, got, we got plans for you, sir. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We can't let you know what those plans are, even <laughs> though they involve you. But we yeah. got. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Not yet. And I wanted to give a um, an out and or just you know pay homage to um, Dante Wright. Um, you know that we we had. I I almost considered taking this topic, which I found to be really important. So I'm glad we spoke on it um, and icing it like you did today. Uh, you know, so go check out Joe and Cat Chats from today because these two discussed uh, what we what we have going on in this country, which is another spring, another. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm pretty used to it when it gets warmed up. The cops seem to get a little crazy, uh, a little dicey, violent, abusive, tend to kill black people. Uh, which is what we're uh, what we're seeing again, and um, also Chauvin on trial. I think I know what I want to see happen there, um, but I don't know. Yeah, I uh, just wanted to give some homage there. I mean, we, yeah, but um, real quick, wrench the yeah. episode that Cat and I filmed earlier today that's going to be available on all of our social media outlets at around like two o'clock tomorrow afternoon on um, facebook.com slash Joe Nice DJ. It's gonna be on the facebook.com slash Joe and Cat Chat. It's gonna be on instagram.com at catwells22 and at my Instagram page, instagram.com slash Joe Nice DJ. If you go on my Instagram page right now, there's a teaser video of a, of a wonderful call to action that Cat had earlier on today. It was, it's one of the finest examples of a soliloquy that I've heard in a long, long, long time. And I certainly think that everybody, it should be required watching and listening for everybody. And as I said in the beginning of this conversation, there's a lot to dissect and a lot to absorb. And I think in that nine and a half or 10 minutes that Kat talk, spoke so eloquently and passionately earlier today, there's a lot to dissect and a lot to absorb in that in, in in that video. So please go and watch it. It is the latest post on my Instagram page. Um, and if you like what we do, tell us. If you don't like what we do, actually, if you like what we do, tell a friend. Share it with your people. If you don't like what we do, tell us. We're grown-ups. We, we can handle the criticism. Yeah, we're, we want some feedback, you guys. Feedback. Let us know what you want to and our direct messages are open. We're not one of these. We're not some of these people that like to just shut ourselves off to the rest of the world and don't want to hear from anybody. We want your conversations. We enjoy dialogue. 
Okay, we're not we're not hermits. We're not, even though we're all stuck in our houses right now. And we are, you know, fair and loving. We we would appreciate it if you guys were to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, that is in the links below. That's huge for us. I mean, we're we're here doing this. If you guys you guys got forty episodes. I've been doing this a year, and uh, we're gonna keep it going. And we we are looking to to get that support. Before I let you two go, I just want to read a passage real quick from somebody today that it just touched me in a big way. I forgot about it until you mentioned what you uh, read. Um, and this is from um, at the Tem Free F R I E uh, on Instagram. So Tim Free. Um, he said, uh, "I invite you to think about several things." What if we send our thoughts and prayers and make sure that our representatives in Congress are doing what they say they're going to do? What if we meditated and prayed and took care of ourselves and ensured that we're using our voice to inform our local policymakers and legislators about what needs to change? What if we drink our green smoothies and do yoga and try to find time to learn about how we act as agents of change in systems that are inherently broken, unjust, inequitable, and corrupt? Can we find the wherewithal to take care of ourselves in our communities and find a way to just put an end to all the shit that is costing black and brown people their lives? Can we stop beating around the bush about what we're talking about, which is black and brown lives that are being lost due to inherently unjust, oppressive and racist institutional systems and sociopolitical dynamics, both in our day to day lives and when we develop and revamp public policy? Can we start to explore and acknowledge the ways how we have collectively normalized deeply distributed socio-political dysfunction to such a degree that questioning, doubting, disagreeing with, speaking out about or opposing such dysfunction is now seen as being fringe or atypical. No amount of meditation can make up for bad policy. And that's uh, the Tim Free. Never heard of him until today, woke up to that struck me. I figured it was a good thing for fear and loving to hear. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll be back in a month. Um, not, we'll figure, maybe we'll part two this, who knows, but I, I appreciate both you guys. And, and uh, I'm going to, I'm going to leave us on a, uh, on a poem. Uh, this is about women that I wrote called Phoenix. And uh, thank you both. This is called Phoenix, everybody. She is a woman. She is going to make a difference. She will meet every goal and always create new ones. She put in the hard work early, did her research and won't be held back by immature thinking or insecurity. She is grabbing hold of the new opportunity for women while representing in a way that will encourage further progress towards equality. She is capable of anything when she is determined. She won't let social norms or pop culture or anyone tell her how she is supposed to think or feel. She is a responsible healer, exploring the cures and techniques from any hemisphere. She will act with love towards everyone, no matter what. She knows she could not have found wisdom without the mistakes along the way. She will live where the weather suits her and will travel to share space with the ones she loves. She will not be a possession, but won't isolate herself. She will guide them. She will bring people together and be a leader who will guide them and lift them up with unbridled compassion. She will always understand and cultivate her mind and body. She will love the world unconditionally. She will love other people unconditionally. She will love herself unconditionally. She will rise from every fire anew. Like the phoenix, she will rise. And um, fuck the patriarchy, you already know. See you next time. Fear and loving. Thanks, guys.